Hey everyone, my name is Josh Scroggins, a pastor of New Beginnings Family. Just wanted to say thank you for joining our podcast and welcome. We hope the following message will be encouraging, will inspire you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support our ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.nbfamily.net. And as always, for all you do to support us, thank you. God bless you and enjoy the message. When I was a kid in grade school, uh, one of the things that I loved to do was get my calculator out, push one plus one, and then just hit equals over and over and over and over again and just see uh, how big I could get to as far as numbers. We had some competitions with my friends. We would um, see what our, our biggest number we could get during the day, uh, during classes, that sort of thing. We kind of just uh, sit there during class and listen, write take notes, whatever, with one hand. And on the other hand, we had our calculator and we were just repeatedly pushing the equals button. Well, uh, what, what I want to do is just for a moment, we're going to we're gonna do kind of a, an illustration and you can do this um, as you're listening. <clears throat> um, all you do is pull out your uh, smartphone and get out your calculator. Now, if you're driving, don't do this, um, but go ahead and pull out your calculator in the calculator, press two plus two, and then get ready. I'm going to give you about 10 seconds and then just hit the equals button over and over and over again and just see how big of a number you can get uh, in, in 10 seconds. All right, here we go. On your mark, get set, go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven eight, nine, stop. Now, how did you do? Did you get a big number? You get a low number? At least over 100, right? <clears throat> we uh, we did this with our church this morning, and I think the highest number in the room was 172. Nobody got less than 100 uh, in a period of 10 seconds. It's pretty good. So <clears throat> uh, that was a fun game that I played with my friends who would do this in school. Uh, that was at least until we discovered the power of of multiplication. And the power of multiplication is pretty profound. Now, on the same calculator, you can do this again. Um, I'm going to give you five seconds now instead of 10. And clear out the calculator real quick and type in two times two. Uh, and again, this, this time I'm only going to give you five seconds to just hit equals as many times. All right, here we go. On your mark, get set, go. One, two, Three, four, stop. What'd you get? I think somewhere today, uh, somebody had about 500 million. <laughs> a period of about five seconds. It is crazy. Uh, and, and just to think that a, a little 45 degree rotation in one symbol, you take that little plus symbol, you rotate it 45 degrees, suddenly it becomes a times symbol. And uh, you can get from 100 to 100 million or 172 to 500 million. It is a pretty incredible concept. <clears throat> uh, the doctrine of duplication is how Jesus chose to build his church. And it's how he told us to build it. I want to give you a scenario for a second and just uh, just for those who are listening. But let, let's just say that you have a church 
um, that runs about 25 people on a Sunday. Not a big church. It's kind of a small one. And it's pretty intimate, right? 25 is not what we would consider a big church. Um, what would happen, though, if you just imagine for a minute that each person of that 25 decided that the next year uh, they would add one member to the church? Now, our church, uh, we're going to be starting our third year uh, as our own church at the beginning of next year. So if, if you just imagine for a moment that, that this is our third year, well, by the end of our third year, we would have 50 people then. By the end of year four, if we did it again, we would have 100. If we did that again, by the end of year five, we would be running 200. Now, if we continued every year for each person in our church to add one member at the end of the year, or by the end of the year, to add one person, to disciple them, to duplicate, to train them. Um, and then each year we trained those same people to do that same thing. We continue to do that. Then by the end of the 10th year, a 25 church or person church, right? That, that Like ours, that, that kind of started doing this a couple years in. By the end of our 10th year, we would be running 6,400 people. If we continue to do this for another 10 years, then by the end of the 20th year, we would be running six and a half million. And by the end of 11 years later, the entire planet would be saved. Now, <laughs> that is, uh, that's actually kind of a, a low estimate because obviously as you invite people to church, as they become a part of the body, a lot of times they will bring with them their families. And so that is actually a pretty low uh, estimate if it was continued to duplicate. That is the power of multiplication. It is the power of duplication. <coughs> now, it is not that um, it's not that I would say that I would expect our church or any church to save the planet in 31 years. But I do find it interesting. And it demonstrates just how powerful this principle really is. Let's take a look at a scripture here in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. We have something that is called the Great Commission. We use that phrase a lot. Here, here's what it says. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So I want to I just point out real quick what it was that Jesus commanded us to do. He says, go and make disciples. What is that? That's duplicating yourself. And he, then he tells you how to do it. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit and teaching them to follow all that I've commanded you. Now, I want to point out something really important. It seems obvious, but I'm going to point it out anyway. When he says to teach, teach them to follow all that I have commanded you, the phrase, all that I have commanded you, also includes this command to go and make more disciples. And so when we, when we are talking about duplication, we're not just talking about inviting someone to a church service. That's, that's not what Jesus told us to do. The Bible does not say to, to go and make attendance uh, rise. It does not say to go and make even converts, right? It doesn't say to go say the sinner's prayer with everybody. That's not what Jesus commanded us to do. He commanded the church to make disciples. And what that means is duplication. 
What that means is that you are mentoring. It means that you are personally discipling others. Um, over the next few weeks, we are going to uh, explore the concept of mentorship. And we're going to look at uh, different types of mentorship and, and relationships like that that happened throughout the Bible. Uh, but today, what I want to do is just this. I want to give some basic principles that will help us understand the concept better. Um, so let's take a look at this duplication doctrine. Number one is this. <clears throat> Discipleship is an intentional process. It doesn't happen accidentally, and it's not to say that it can't sometimes happen accidentally or just naturally. Sometimes you just learn from someone and it just it just happens. Um, but most often and more times than not, it is intentional. And if you look at the book of Titus, we see an instruction that, that Paul gives. And this instruction is one that he gives to the church that's teaching the mentorship model. <clears throat> Chapter 2, verses 2 to 8 says, Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, to live wisely. They must have sound faith, be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the old women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. <clears throat> These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good and be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame to the word on the word of God. <clears throat> in the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. We're actually told here in Titus that the older men and the older women should be teaching the younger men and the younger women. Uh, it, I love the fact here that it doesn't actually come into, Paul's not saying that it has to be a biological parent that does this. Uh, some of us have terrific biological parents. I, I'm blessed with a, a great mother, a great father. I'm blessed with a, a godly family and upbringing. Not everybody has that. The fact is that is okay. You can still be mentored without it because within the church are people who are older who can teach you. And, and I want to just also point out here that when I say older and when he says older, this is not just talking about the number of years lived on this earth. This is also talking about spiritual maturity in the faith. Uh, some people have been Christians far longer than others, regardless of what their physical age is. Someone who is a teenager and has been saved for five years might be far more spiritually mature than someone who is 40 and got saved a week ago. And so <clears throat> in this concept, someone who is older is not just talking about physical birth. It's talking about spiritual birth. It's also talking about the maturity level. Two people can give their heart to God and 10 years later be in very different places spiritually, depending on the types of teaching they've submitted themselves to, depending on how much they have devoted themselves to growing in their faith and, and to learning and to, uh, to stretching and putting themselves through the process. And so those who are more mature in the faith are expected to disciple and mentor those who are younger. 
And this process of discipleship does not happen accidentally. It must be intentional. That's why there is this, this instruction, because it is intentional. Paul is saying the older men, the older women are to be intentional in teaching the younger men and the younger women in the faith. But not only is it something that has to be intentional, it's also something that is a team effort. Discipleship is a team effort. Duplication is a team effort. You are responsible to, as a Christian, you are responsible to duplicate yourself. You are responsible to reach out to the circle of influence you have. That is extremely important. <clears throat> However, it is also important to know you are not alone in that process. You have a team. You have a family. You have a body of Christ. You have a church that is there with you in the process. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16 says, He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. That is what we call the five-fold ministry. Until we, and it says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the tricky uh, trickery of people and the craftiness of deceitful scheming. What is that? That's exactly what we are talking about before, right? It is about the older mentoring the younger, so that we do not all remain spiritual children, but we grow up. And Paul tells us this, he says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body be fitted and held together by, and this is important, what every joint supplies. In other words, every individual person working together. And he goes on to say that according to the proper working of each individual part causes growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. What we are told is this. We are told that Christ is the head of the church and that each member of the body has a part to play, has something that we can do. Now, <clears throat> I want to just, uh, for a moment, help us to understand something very important. And that is this, that within the church, there are roles, there are jobs, there are ministries, there are um, things that each of us contributes, and all of those things come together to help the duplication process. And you have a part in that. We have the fivefold ministry that is, is listed here. You have apostles, which are pastors of pastors, right? It's those who who shepherd the shepherds. It's those who uh, are, are the missionaries, right? Who reach over and have these other churches. It's, it's that type of a, of a role. You have prophets whose job it is to, to um, speak to the church, God's word, right? To, to give warnings or, or to call out things that are wrong or to encourage and to exhort the church. You have evangelists whose job it is to go out and get people, to go out into the streets, to go out into unknown places and share the gospel. Um, you have pastors who are designed and, and called to shepherd the church, to flock, you know, take care of the flock. And then you have teachers whose job it is to empower and to equip and to, um, uh, to teach. 
<clears throat> all of these work together, but those are not the only gifts that work within the church. They are not the only roles that take place within the church. They are only five examples. And here's here's what I want to do. I want to um, just talk for a second about, about my church and what happens on a typical Sunday morning. If you were going to my church, New Beginnings Family, Springfield, Oregon, if you were coming to our church on a Sunday morning, um, I, I want to just give you an example of how this works. Um, I'm, I'm using my church because I know what we have and I can't really speak for other churches, but this will be a good example. So imagine for a moment that you're a member of my church and you invite someone to come with you on a Sunday morning. When they arrive, the first thing that happens is they are greeted by our greeter. Now, his name is Mark, and he is absolutely amazing. He's about the friendliest greeter I've ever met in my life. Uh, he is phenomenal at that role. It's like God just built him to greet people. He is uh, he's awesome. Um, and so they walk in, and the first thing that they see is a, is a smiling guy who is extremely friendly and makes sure they've got a visitor packet that is there. It's already put together, ready to go, gives them information about the church, helps us gather some information about them um, so that we can do a follow-up. My uh, my next-door neighbor, uh, Karen, is is one that that does some of our follow-up. They'll get a they'll get a card in the mail. Um and so uh, they come in, they, they get this, this uh, uh, welcome packet. <clears throat> um, they're greeted by Mark right off the bat. And then they are, are uh, taken into our cafe. And in our cafe, we have coffee and donuts or uh, muffins, whatever kind of different snacks are going on. And we have a rotation of various women in our church that put that on. Um, then your, your friend who you've invited to church now, so they've been greeted by the greeter. They have now uh, been set up in, in, a, in a clean and friendly environment, right? Um, we've got people that clean the church, my, my wife predominantly among them, just to make sure that the church looks good and is clean. Um, and so then, then they, they go over to the cafe, they get that. Then they're welcomed by more people in the church, more, more people of our body, of our, our membership, of our family here, um, welcome them and, and get to know them. If they've got kids, those kids are also greeted by our children. Uh, we've got just a friendly, friendly church. Uh, then as, as service starts, our worship team gets up um, and, and in combination with our sound and media team, creates an atmosphere of worship. Uh, at a certain point in the service, then, a speaker will get up to share some thoughts about giving during tithe and offering, and we'll take up the offering. And during our offering, we don't send a, we don't send a collection plate. We bring our offering up front. We bring it with joy, and we shake hands, and we are friendly during that time. So your friend gets gets once again greeted by several people just telling them how glad they are that they're here. Then the sermon is given. They have an opportunity to receive Christ and they make that decision to receive Christ. Now, that is where the discipleship process begins. Now, you can see you, you got the person there, but already many, many people have contributed to the process of getting them to that point of decision. But it doesn't stop there. Uh, they, they will receive then um, within that following week uh, a welcome card from uh, from our church, just telling them how grateful we were that they were there. Uh, they will have access to Right Now Media uh, that they'll have there, which is a, is a program that we uh, subscribe to for our church, all of our members. It's like a, the Netflix of Bible studies. They've got a lot of access to that. They'll be given the pastor's new book. That's my book. 
Uh, okay, I said the prayer. Now what? That's what it's called. Uh, convenient plug. They're given this book that gives them some first steps. They'll be directed to our church website where um, I have recorded 39 videos that teach them the basics of the faith. While they're going through those, uh, your job would be to just meet with them, to just continue building a relationship with them. Have time, you know, get lunch every once in a while. Have them over for dinner. Uh, if you're coworkers, maybe you sit together at lunch. Maybe you talk together during the break time. Um, it, it doesn't have to be anything really big. <clears throat> but your role in that would be to be to be their their mentor, right? To answer questions, to pray with them, to encourage them, uh, just to build relationship. Then they would begin attending, say, our Wednesday night services. We have a variety of, of people that are teaching. We have a rotation of people who are learning to preach. And uh, the, the, the quality of the sermons on our Wednesday night has just gotten better and better and better. Um, and they would be blessed. And let's say that this, this friend of yours uh, then begins to grow in the faith and, and finally decides, I want to become a member of the church and I want to get involved. And so then they, they go to um, whatever ministry it is that they're wanting to get involved in. And now they are sitting under a leader in that ministry and continue to grow. Meanwhile, you just continue to meet with them from time to time and guide them through the process. <clears throat> well, eventually... You and they invite someone to church to go with you, and the process begins all over again. That is the way the duplication works. You can see it's very intentional. However, not just intentional, it's a team effort. There's a whole lot of people involved in there. You are responsible for reaching out to your circle of influence to get them started in the process, but you don't have to be responsible for the entire discipleship process. Mentoring happens in small groups or individually, but it is supported and supplied by the larger church body. Uh, for instance, I, I have overseers that are over me, uh, also known as apostles, right? Pastors of pastors. <clears throat> I've got a, I've got a regional overseer that is is a mentor of mine. I've got um, um or I'm sorry, district overseer that's a mentor of mine. I have a regional overseer that's over the Pacific Northwest for our denomination. Our denomination actually has several overseers that are involved. I've had several uh, mentors throughout my life. I'm currently enrolled right now in a pastoral mentorship program um, where I do through uh, online Zoom meetings once a month where I'm just learning. I'm growing because I always want to keep getting better. I always want to keep growing. And I think that mentorship is important. Uh, I pastor a church and I, I mentor several people in, in our church. Uh, there's, there's prophets within the church that, that warn us of sin and dangers and remind us what God's doing. We've got numerous teachers in our church. Uh, several churches, most churches, I would say, have a variety of teachers within them. Um, <clears throat> and if you don't have those teachers, YouTube is full of them. Uh, just just be careful. Um just just be careful of who it is you're listening to. And if you don't know, you know, ask your pastor. He could probably point you in the right direction. But we also need evangelists. We need people that go out and into the world, that, that share the gospel, that tell people about Jesus, and who bring others into the church. So discipleship is intentional, and it's a team effort. <clears throat> and this is the method that God chose to build his church. And again, you're responsible only for reaching your circle, your circle of influence. That, that's who you're responsible for. I, I like to tell my church this a lot, is God will not give you something 
unless he expects you to use it. And that that is that is talents, that's abilities, it's resources, but that's also influence. And if God gives you something, he expects you to use it. <clears throat> I want to I want to just think for a second here what Jesus did with building his church. He intentionally discipled 12 men. It's intentional and it's teamwork, right? What was he doing? He was building a team. 12 men are a team. That was a team. And those two things are important. Intentionality and teamwork are important. But here is the most important thing to know about the duplication doctrine. Discipleship or duplication takes place within the context of relationship. Discipleship takes place within the context of relationship. Titus 1.4, and this was Paul writing, he says, I'm writing to Titus, and then he calls him this, my true son in the faith that we share. May God the Father and Jesus Christ our Savior give you grace and peace. Titus and Paul traveled early in his ministry, and eventually Titus became a pastor. Clearly, he and Paul had a special relationship to the point that Paul looked at Titus like his own son. The people that you have the highest chance of winning for the Lord, they're the people you already have a relationship with. Maybe these are people in your family. Maybe it is uh, your friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it is a neighbor that, that you have a relationship with. But the people that you have the highest chance of winning to the Lord are the people who already know that you care about them. It doesn't mean to be pushy or obnoxious. Please don't do that. <clears throat> so, so how do you win them over? Well, do you remember the first point? You be intentional. Be intentional and be part of a team. Intentional and teamwork. Those are two important things. See, we win people over by being intentional in our relationships with them. We win people to the Lord by being intentional. It means that we are intentional about not complaining to them, right? If you're having a bad day and you just need to vent, you don't go to that person about it. You, you, you be very careful and very intentional about what you share with those people. It means that we are intentionally looking for ways to meet their needs. It means that we're being intentional about praying for them on a regular or even daily basis. It means that we are intentional about finding ways to share our testimony, to interject God into a conversation in a way that is natural and not forced. It means that we are <clears throat> loving them and intentionally loving them. And it also means that we are being intentional about being a good member of our team of our family of our church because there are people in our church who will have have guests that they bring with them to church <clears throat> and we must be intentional to love those guests and to do our part of the work to bless those people as well as a member of a team as a family and so here's here's what I would challenge you to do in the coming months I would challenge you to be intentional in your actions with others. I'm asking you to, to, to really pray about duplicating, intentionally duplicating yourself. 
I, that's why I teach a homiletics class at our church. I'm, I'm training people how to preach. I'm teaching them how to preach. What am I doing? I am, I'm duplicating myself. It's, it's why I pastor. It's why I write books. It's why I'm doing this podcast. It, it's why I made 39 discipleship videos for the website. And next year, I'm going to be really focusing on that even more with our church. We're going to be doing a lot of leadership focused, a lot of training for that, that is, is really geared towards enhancing the leadership of our church. Here's, here's one of the things that, that I, I want to do. I want to make sure, and this is something I would challenge you to make this commitment in your heart as well. I want to make sure that my part of the team is covered. And you got to understand that your pastor relies on you just as much as you rely on your pastor. We need each other. If we're going to make the family, if we're going to make the body of Christ, if we're going to make the church, the team, if we're going to make it successful. And we need each other. And, and, and we can duplicate if we do it right. Uh, there's two services of the year that have the best chance of reaching people, right? Christmas and Easter. Uh, this December 26th, uh, it will probably be when most churches will have their Christmas service. But here's here's what I would say. I would say that you've got three months to really think about somebody that you know needs to know Christ. And you've got three months to plant seeds. You've got three months to start praying and to be praying for their salvation. And Christmas is a wonderful opportunity to invite them to church in a way that will not feel threatening because a lot of people will go to church on a Christmas service. They'll go for that. And so it presents itself as a wonderful opportunity. Get in the habit of inviting people. Um, if you've got church cards or if your church has cards, take some with you. Make sure you've always got them handy. Uh, ours have a have a map on the back of them, but but maybe yours doesn't. But but whatever it is, have some of those cards. Have that website. Have have something you can hand them as you're inviting people to church. And I wanna I wanna close the podcast with this. I want you just for a moment to just let your imagination run wild, and I want you to think about someone that you care about that does not know God. Without coming to know God, they are destined to an eternity without Him. And so it is important. It's something that if we really care about somebody, we, we don't want that future for them. We don't want that eternity for them. We want them to know God because we want them to have an eternity in heaven with him. But imagine for a moment that this is somebody that you really care about and you are praying for that person every single day. You've tried to tell them about Jesus. You have tried to share your uh, faith with them. You've tried to share the hope that you have with them and you just haven't gotten anywhere. And then one day <clears throat> you hear that a friend of theirs invited them to church and this person gave their heart to God. Now imagine how excited you would be. Imagine the joy that you would be feeling in that moment. Now imagine for a moment, what if you could be that answer to someone else's prayer for their friend or family member? Be intentional. Work as a team. Build relationships and duplicate yourself. I hope this has blessed you. I hope this is encouraging. I hope that it was challenging today. And I'm trusting 
that God will use this in your life if you allow him to. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us at New Beginnings Family. We appreciate you listening and hope that the message was encouraging, inspiring, challenging, that ultimately it brings you closer to Jesus Christ. If you have any questions for us or would like to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us at www.nbfamily.net. Thank you so much. We love you. Have an amazing day. And thank you for all your support. We'll see you next time.